Today is the final part of this series titled, Why Won't the Kids Listen? Today we talk about those big emotions. Whew, what do we do during those big emotions? How do emotions impact listening? And how can we use them to increase relationship, connection, and listening? Now grab your hot tea and whatever cozy thing you need for talking about big emotions. Before we begin, here's a reminder. This week, April 3rd to the 7th, is a homeschool summits where I was invited to be an exhibitor, along with this podcast, The Language of Play, of course. And if you homeschool, or if you don't, when you sign up for homeschool summits for free, you can access my coaching program for 30% off through that link. If this interests you, you will find my affiliate link in the show notes below. And there's a wealth of information and guidance for homeschooling families. So if you missed the March special and you still want an amazing deal, sign up for free. Homeschool Summits is a free online event that supports parents around the world in their endeavor to train up their children at home using Christian principles. Stacy H. titled her review, Love This, giving five stars. She writes, I'm a homeschooling mom of six. And they always wonder why I yell so much. In parentheses, she says, because they didn't listen the first five times, haha. She continues. She said, I need to listen more so I can save my voice and sanity and stop repeating myself. <laughs> Thank you, Stacy. Yes, it is a sanity thing, isn't it? Sometimes when they don't listen, we do repeat ourselves until we lose our cool. And that is part of what we will talk about today. Thank you for your review. I hope that this podcast has been a continuous help. Are you tired of repeating yourself with your children or wonder why they don't listen? Are you frustrated because you wish your kids could communicate their wants and needs more clearly instead of whining or yelling? Are you plagued by the feeling that you cannot meet all the needs in your family? Hey parents, you don't need to stay overwhelmed and exhausted. It is possible to build strong family relationships and have boundaries that benefit kids. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush. I'm a mom, grandma, and speech-language pathologist of over 25 years. In this podcast, you'll find solutions to get kids to listen better and build family connection, to feel confident in managing difficult behaviors, and help your kids build more language of their own. So if you are ready to communicate in ways that build deep, meaningful connection and create a more peaceful, productive, and happy home, listen in. Let's interrupt the way you've been parenting so that you can become the parent you want to be. We have been talking about what can interfere with our children being able to listen and strategies to build listening ability. We talked about attention processing information, language processing difficulties, building listening skills, us, which means like how we parents might interfere. And today we will discuss how big feelings can derail our kiddos' ability to listen. To note, there are differences between feelings and emotions, but for this episode, I will use the words interchangeably, and you may have noticed that in the last episode too. Now we have all experienced with our children an explosion that seems to come from nowhere. The switch to laughter happened before the tears stopped flowing, or the persistent stubborn pout, and the intensity of sadness that comes with disappointment. 
followed by a belly laugh that is so powerful it leads to vomit. And then an unyielding, determined defiance. The change can be so swift, you as a parent and I were left reeling while the child has already moved on to the next thing and the next feeling. What are we parents to do when they are changing so fast and we are spinning? I feel you, parents. Just last week, I experienced a 10-year-old boy melt into a 3-year-old when he made a mistake. His head lay on the table and he cried. And it was a simple mistake. I never did learn what else was going on. And my 21-month overtired grandson found so much humor in the word soggy that he belly laughed so hard it rendered him unable to breathe right. Our children can be so surprising. I remember when my daughter was three, and after getting dressed one day, and she had put on some pants, she came storming to the kitchen where I was cooking, and she said, Mom, I don't want to wear pants. I want to wear a dress. I just looked at her, said, Okay. And she stormed back to her bedroom and changed. And then she stormed back to the kitchen, and she said, Mom, I don't want to wear a dress. I want to wear pants. And I looked at her again, really surprised and a bit confused. I said, Okay. She stormed back to her room, changed her clothes again, and came back screaming to me that she didn't want to wear this, and she just kept on going back and forth. She did this like five times, and she was getting more and more frustrated. All I could think was she was looking for a fight, but she didn't ask for anything that was not okay, so I kept saying yes, and that made her worse. It was the only thing I could ever figure out. Our kids are delightful, and they are exhausting, and they're confusing. <laughs> so let's think about some of the things that we can do to respond to our children when they have some of those big feelings, especially the ones that just come seemingly out of nowhere that we did not predict and we don't quite know what's going on. Here are four things that I came up with to ask yourself before you even respond to your child. And before I begin, I want you to keep in mind, in the back of your mind, to be an observer and to look at their behavior from the perspective of, it's not about you. Seems like it. They could be blaming. They could be yelling at you. But try to step back and be an observer and think, this isn't about me. What's going on with them? The first thing I came up with was, does it matter? The first question to ask yourself before you respond is, does it matter? In the case of the clothing changes, that was small. It didn't matter. The worst thing would be more laundry if, like, she ate in her clothes, because <laughs> then they would have been dirty. I have a friend whose little girl will change her outfit about six times a day, every day. In this case, you may want to have some limits on the number of outfits or certain rules about hanging them back up when she changes. But overall, no one is hurt by this behavior. It doesn't really matter. We can let go and allow as much as you can any behavior that is relatively small, where no one is hurt, no one is harmed. And in this case, the big emotions, you can simply agree with. Kind of like I did with my daughter. I just allowed her to have her feelings, and she stormed back to her room. And she came back out, and had bigger feelings. And I said, okay, <laughs> and let her storm back to her room. I allowed her to have her big feelings. That was my job, 
was to let her feel her feelings. It was my job to not get rattled. It was my job to not try to calm her down or to change her in any way. And my, my job at that time was to let her experience herself. Don't get rattled by their feelings when what it is that's going on doesn't really matter. So the first thing to ask yourself before you respond to your child that has enormous feelings is, does it matter? And if it doesn't, you get to just stay happy and mesmerized at the wonder of this showcase in front of you and just agree. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) The second thing to ask yourself before you respond to your child is, is the child responsive to comfort? Sometimes our children get really, really upset and they resist us. But if they're open to comfort, that's a, that's a sign that they need some comfort. So if your child is responsive to some comfort that you have offered them, then stay open and compassionate to whatever is bothering your child, allowing your child to complain or fuss. If they're responsive to comfort, they need comfort. This isn't the time to be rational or to try to educate your child. Just receive the bundle of messy emotions that they have. Again, let them see you're not afraid of their big feelings. For more conversations on big feelings and handling this kind of thing, see episode 32, which is right before this one. More talk happens about not being afraid of their feelings. And there's another one too that I'll link in the show notes. I can't remember the number of that one right now. Anyway, if if your children see that you are not afraid of their big feelings, they won't fear them as much. Give those feelings name. Oh, you seem sad. I know that feeling. I call it disappointment. Oh, I'd be angry too if that happened to me. Oh, you felt alone there, huh? Were you sad? Were you afraid? That's called lonely. Different ways that we can talk about the feelings that it is that they have helps them to take comfort in knowing what their experience is, is real. Sometimes when those feelings happen really suddenly or just intensely, our children can be afraid of the feelings going on inside of them more than the actual life experience outside of them. So giving them language for what's going on inside of them really gives them power to manage And that is comforting. So one way to give comfort, of course, is your open arms and letting them hug you. The second thing is giving them language to be able to understand. Your language that explores what is happening will help them to explore for themselves what is happening within them. And your encouragement to name the feelings will help them gain vocabulary and give courage for when this happens again, because it will. Remember that sometimes for our kids, the problem feels bigger because the feelings scare them. So the second thing to ask yourself before you respond to your child's big emotions is, does my child respond to comfort? And if they do, give it. The third thing to ask yourself before you respond to your child is, is your child trying to have some power? Now, children come to this world and they have very little power, very little power over what's going on with their bodies, over the choices in their world. And of course, they want to have some choices, which is power. Allowing a child to choose the color of a cup or where to sit 
is really helpful for our kids, especially when they feel powerless. It's natural for them to want to have some control. We all want it. However, kids do not know when it's okay for them to flex their muscles and when they shouldn't. This activity that is happening right now is of more value and importance for our kids. Anything else that's happening outside of right now is likely not of equal value. All those things are in one pot, and what I'm doing right now is all they really pay attention to. As they get older, they can stretch out, but the younger they are, the more in the present moment only do they think. So when they want power now, uh, they flex in what is going on right now. Keep in mind, it has little to do with the actual thing, and it has nothing to do with you, even when they're saying you never or you always. Give kids choices whenever you're able, whenever you can. This gives them power in the areas that you deem acceptable. And when we give them choices in the areas that we are comfortable with, they're not so eager to demand choices all the time. Another thing is that they learn how to negotiate. They learn how to make good choices. They learn how to make decisions when we give them practice at making decisions and negotiating. Now, there are times that negotiation is going to be a very good skill. I realize that we don't want our three-year-olds and and 10-year-olds to be negotiating everything with us, but negotiation itself in the right time and place is a very good skill. So let them learn when you are okay with both choices and never give a choice that you're not okay with. And I'd like to say that that's as easy as I said it, but it isn't. When you give a choice that you are actually not okay with, your language will be something like this. Ah, oh, Charlie, I'm sorry, I misspoke. I should not have given you that choice because I can't honor it. I am sorry to disappoint you. Your choice is actually X and Y, whatever it is. Own the mistake. That is the third thing to ask yourself before you respond to your child that has big emotions. That was, are they trying to have some power? And the fourth thing, when your child has big emotions, before you respond, ask yourself, what might my child need right now? If there's a basic need that is happening, such as they need to eat, they're hungry, they're cold, they're afraid, they're lonely, tired, Whatever it is, when there is something else going on, emotions feel bigger. And frankly, again, this is the same for you and me. If I'm cold and hungry and wet and I'm out camping and then I stub my toe, everything is so much worse than if I'm comfortable and the only thing I deal with is a stubbed toe. Our children are the same. They only have so much wherewithal within them. And if they stub their toe and it's an enormous amount of energy, and you think it just shouldn't have been that big, something else is going on. What can you consider given what you know about your child or the time of day? What is likely? When kids have big emotions that come along with other needs, the kids are on their way to a meltdown. If you learn to identify those other needs and meet those other needs, your child will have more ability to handle those big feelings. Now, we haven't talked about tantrums and meltdowns yet. And because that is an episode all to itself, that will be coming soon, So, or keep watch for it. But for right now, at the start of the show, we talked about how do emotions impact listening. Well, when big feelings happen, the child's brain can go offline. Sometimes they are simply unable to process and follow instructions. And when they get through their emotion, 
not stuff it or stop it, but actually go through it, they will come out with a calmer brain. And a calm brain is able to learn and is able to listen. So how do we use emotions to increase relationship, connection, and listening? When you breathe and ask yourself these four things, you have an opportunity to help your child feel seen and heard. When your child feels seen and heard, this too calms the brain. Children become capable of listening again. Plus, when you saw and heard them through this scary thing that happens, they build trust in you. They become more courageous with you. They become more courageous with themselves for the next time this thing happens. Deeper connection is born because we have stayed calm and walked through these four steps. It helps us to build that deeper connection. And the third question I asked at the beginning is, what do we do with those big emotions? Well, what we do is we name them. We remain calm. Giving vocabulary and accepting the feelings without a value placed on the emotions will help your child get through it faster. If they think this is a bad feeling or a good feeling, then they start to think they're bad or they're good. So we don't want to give a value for it. We just want to say what it is. Oh, that feels sad. Or maybe that feels icky, doesn't it? Or that feels really fun. Or what a joyful feels wonderful. To be able to say some of those kind of words that describe are much better than saying words where your language expresses that the kids are right or wrong or good or bad because of the emotion that happened inside of them. Here we go. We ask ourselves these four questions before we respond when our kids are having big feelings. One, does it matter? Two, is the child responsive to comfort? Three, is the child seeking some power? And four, what might my child need right now? I hope this helps you understand that big emotions, really big emotions, are really normal and healthy, and it's how the young brain works. It's the way it was made. It's not our job to tell them, calm down. It's not our job to manage it for them. Our job is to give them labels, to accept them as they are with those feelings, that the feeling is not a representation of who they are. That is our job, and in doing so, we will calm the brain. Now, if you are feeling some big avoidance inside of you when your child has these big feelings, that would also be normal. But it is normal in the case where you haven't yourself experienced a parent that walks through feelings and language and acceptance with you. So inside of you is that little child of you saying, what do I do? I feel afraid of these feelings. I feel like I have to run away from them. I feel like I need to avoid them. So the child within you is afraid. Consider talking with someone about that because that would be a good thing to help yourself through. And if you want to talk to me about that, then that would be absolutely fine. My email, as you know, is hello at thelanguageofplay.com. So to wrap it up, the four things you want to ask yourself before you respond to your child's big feelings are, does it matter? Can I give comfort at this time? Can I give my child some power? And what else might my child need? 
Remember, this week is the Homeschool Summit Week. If you're curious, use my link in the show notes below to check out this free resource. Remember, mamas, when you get behind the eyes of a child, you can speak in a way their brains understand. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you feel hopeful and want to hear more, please share this podcast with other parents that might want the same. I would be so appreciative if you would rate and review. You can also connect with me through the email found below. Thank you.